0: Nine nine five gold. That's eight three three nine nine five gold. Eight three three nine nine five G O L D.
1: Hey, it's Danielle, Will, and Ryder from Pod Meets World. Thanks to our friends at Hyundai, we were able to record a very special episode for you guys at the one and only. Wait for it. Boy Meets, Boy Meets World House. House.
0: Take a listen.
1: Are there any moments or spots on any of the sets we worked on over the seven years that you guys felt more at home that were like your little spots on the set you like to hang out?
2: I'm afraid it was the sink.
1: Oh really? Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> you had to act a sink a lot. Yeah. I was behind the counter. Yeah. Right.
2: Doing business constantly. uh uh-huh. Mom stuff. Uh-huh. disciplining you <laughs> in Amazing. some way. This has been brought to you by the Fully Electric Hyundai Ioniq 5. New episode out now. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money, but are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. Healthlock can help you. Healthlock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes and fraud. You can even have Healthlock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, Healthlock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit Healthlock.com today. That's Healthlock.com today.
0: Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton show podcast. Welcome in Friday edition Clay Travis Buck Sexton Show Appreciate Buck keeping the ship afloat yesterday As we roll into what for many of you will be the last day Before you head out all over the country Potentially for Thanksgiving I know the Travis family is going to be on the road starting tomorrow To head all over the place And I know many of you will as well Going to try to bring you some sanity and what is unfortunately becoming an even more insane world. Uh, we've got all sorts of stories to track, but in particular, everything falling apart uh, with the Israeli-Palestinian relationship as it pertains to the politics here in the United States, to say nothing of what's going on in Gaza. Joe Biden, not surprisingly, sliding on his own classified documents uh, issue. We will discuss the latest on that. Uh, this story happened yesterday, Buck, while you were, uh, while you were on the air and I, I, happened to catch, uh, the thing trending on Twitter. Major League Baseball, uh, has returned the All-Star game to Atlanta, which effectively acknowledges that Jim Crow 2.0 was a complete lie. And, uh, and this story to me, Buck, is emblematic of so much that occurs in america today and i actually saw it as somewhat connected to covid for those of you who didn't know and there may be a decent number of you out there um major league baseball bought into remember joe biden running around saying that the georgia voting law wasn't just jim crow it was jim eagle and he did the speech trying to claim that this was the worst thing basically that had happened to the country uh since the civil war if i remember correctly buck he tried to say that anyone that was involved in this Georgia voting bill was basically on the side of the Confederacy and Jefferson Davis, and it was a really strange historical argument. It's all a lie. All of it was a lie. Stacey Abrams and Joe Biden got the national media to buy into the idea that by strengthening voting rules in the state of Georgia that somehow black people were going to be discriminated against and this was a return to... Uh, the Jim Crow era South, and this was going to be totally unacceptable. And it became such a major narrative story that Major League Baseball pulled the All-Star game out of Atlanta. Buck, then the 2022 election happens. There are zero issues with any black voters anywhere in the state. They had, I believe, record turnout in 2022 compared to the prior midterm in 2018 uh, and we know, unfortunately, Herschel Walker lost. The Reverend Raphael Warnock won. Every other statewide office won comfortably by seven or eight points by Republicans, including Brian Kemp trouncing Stacey Abrams. And now, yesterday, Rob Manfred, the commissioner of Major League Baseball, just comes out and says, oh, we're returning the All-Star game to Atlanta now for 2025. Well, at the last moment, they had moved it to Denver, And they had tried to say it was because they wouldn't stand for voter disenfranchisement. And now they're coming back. The law is still in effect. And there are no consequences for Major League Baseball getting this completely wrong. For everyone in the media who ran with this story as being completely wrong, there's almost no acknowledgement of it at all. And, Buck, what it ties in with me is there is no actual consequences for significant things that people get wrong when the facts develop and the truth comes out there's just a totally memory holding of stories like these and almost no one ever acknowledges that they ever believed it in the first place and it's just emblematic i think of what we're seeing in so many facets of life when left-wing stories collapse
3: i mean i haven't watched a baseball game in like 25 years so i'm not super up on the latest with mlb in terms of uh, how woke it is or how it stacks up against the other leagues. Um, but, you know, to your point about the cowardice and consequences, people don't, executives who make these kinds of decisions, really at any corporation these days, you never get fired for trying to bend the knee to the wokeness. And so as long as that continues, you're going to see more of this. Um, and and people just realize, or people believe, I should say, um, that. This is just the safer option for them all, all the time. And that's why you have what you have. By the way, you know, there are protesters right now in, you know, Clay, Clay works for Fox News. I do not. Yes. Um, uh, Clay was at the Patriot Wars yesterday, which he'll tell us a little bit about, um, later this hour, but there are protesters in the Fox News, uh, lobby. And what I just wonder is what do they think that they're doing other than just annoying people because they're miserable malcontents who, support terrorists like i'm just wondering what what do they think trespassing in the fox news lobby is really going? do they think that someone's going to walk into fox news and be like you know what bin laden did have a point and hamas isn't that bad like what are these idiots doing other than just harassing people basically because they're miserable
2: and yeah and, and and
0: and and by the way and and the patriot awards were fantastic i know i met a bunch of our listeners i appreciate everybody who came out um, streamed on Fox Nation. This show, by the way, I don't know if this is public yet. I might as well go ahead and say it. Uh, this show will be streaming on Fox Nation behind the paywall, uh, at, at Fox Nation for all three hours starting in the next few months. So by the way, if you're out there and you don't have a great, uh, radio signal for some reason or you want for some reason to see spectacular images video wise of you and me every day,
3: You want to see if Clay and Buck are having good hair days. Okay, that's not going to get any of you to watch. I do have a puppy that I will have in my lap sometimes because I have to babysit her during the radio show. So there you you go.
0: Your puppy is one of the cutest puppies that I have ever seen. Like I, I, I am very happy. I have to be honest, like when we were just down in Miami. But it actually goes beyond that, Buck, because there's a recent article talking about how many Jewish people are putting on Fox News. Because Fox News is just pointing out that Israel has the right to defend itself and so many left-wing news organizations refuse to adopt that perspective. And I actually think this is the best thing that could happen to Fox News. Crazy Palestinian protesters showing up in the lobby. You've been in that lobby a ton of times. There's security all through there. So, They're trespassing. I don't know what they'll eventually do to get them out. Maybe they're already gone because I haven't seen an update recently, but it just makes Fox look super rational and it
3: just makes normal people look rational. Well, this is like, uh, whenever there's a conservative speech on campus, I always say this. The best thing that can happen is a bunch of blue haired shrieking banshees show up screaming about like fascism and white supremacy and, you know, whatever. Yeah. Because that video That then goes online is the best advertisement for the left is insane. And oh, by the way, go see, you know, go see this speech by so and so, right? I mean, there's nothing that is a more helpful. And in the case of Fox News, there's a, there's a cable news network that after Israel's 9-11 is generally approaching the issue in terms of coverage, but certainly in terms of, of commentary and editorial as a moment of moral clarity. Yes. And that is Fox News. And Fox News stands with Israel and the Jewish people after this attack, and, of course, after all the anti-Semitic protests that we've seen. Meanwhile, MSNBC is like, hey, guys, let's kind of watch the pro-Hamas, pro-terrorist. Bin Laden had good ideas stuff a little bit on their staff. They got a whole different range of views over there. And it's not just MSNBC. I'm sure you saw, Buck, Gail King with
0: the uh, father of the uh, hostage Lecturing the father of the hostage about the fact that bad things were happening to Palestinian people too on CBS this morning, which I think is CBS this morning, whatever their morning show is called. I, I, I just, I watched that video and I just thought to myself, can you imagine having had a child who is a captive by Hamas for coming up on what, six weeks now? And you're trying to do everything you can to get that child back and you sit across the counter from somebody on a, on a morning show. And she's like, well, you know, bad things are happening to Hamas too. It's like, yeah, I wish there weren't awful things happening in the world. I just want my kid back. Um, and so you trying to moral equiv- equivocate uh, what's going on with Israel and Hamas when my kid has been held hostage for two months? To my knowledge, Buck, Israel has never had any Hamas kids hostage for two months, so far as I know, in the history of uh, of, of their existence as a country. Maybe I missed it. Maybe they're regularly grabbing infants and holding Look, them hostage it's, it's, and not it, returning them. But. The
3: moral, there's a million ways you can set up the 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 clear difference here. You know, if a if a Hamas fighter, you know, was uh, was wounded and surrendered on the battlefield and and was no longer an active threat, you know, the Israelis would uh, would capture him, take him, give him medical care and give him a, a judicial proceeding of some kind. If an Israeli IDF fighter is captured by Hamas, I mean, they would commit ISIS-level horrific tortures, mutilation, and murder. Yes. I mean, the, 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 these differences exist. They are real. This is not just some construct uh, that we have in, in the West. And, you know, this is, in this country, I think, Clay, we've been talking about it, you really see, especially with the, there's this effort to kind of conflate BLM and that machinery with the Palestinian cause. There's been yeah. a lot of that. You know, you've seen people and there's a little less now of the, you know, trans rights for Palestine. Cause I think that people have started to realize that the mockery is too obvious there with you definitely don't want to be a trans person in, uh, Gaza. That would not be a Hamas would not take well to that. Yes. Um, but, but the race issue here is so, the left, it base, basically, Clay, the left is so obsessed with race that it almost can't, uh you know, it's like when everything, when, when all you have is a hammer, you know, everything looks like a nail, they, they they can't view this outside of a racial lens that is entirely inapplicable and, at best, distorted when applied to this conflict. This isn't brown. just, you know, white people, brown people, an oppressor, and oppressed, and that's not reality. No, exactly,
0: and... It is a failure of, and I know you talked about this yesterday, uh, it is a failure of American society that we have, to a large degree with kids, lost the ability to distinguish between good and evil. And and I think a big part of that is because most of what kids experience in America is not in the prism of good versus evil, because most things that happen in America are pretty good, right? Uh, To your point, you can have basically any uh, sexual uh, uh, issue, you know, attraction in America and have pretty good freedom, right? Um, And so I think so many people have lost concept of what the rest of the world is like that they have bought into this idea that America is evil and as a result they aren't able to see and distinguish between good and evil in, in the real world. And that is incredibly troubling and we talked about this for a while when this uh, initial attack on october 7th happened you look at the numbers for people under the age of 35 they're basically 50 50 on who's at fault here israel or hamas and if you're over 65 it's a 95 5 issue why do older people have such greater sense of moral clarity right and wrong good and evil in this country than young people i think it's because we failed a young generation of americans in creating this artificial dynamic, which you're discussing, which is white equals bad, brown equals good. And then that rubric has to be applied no matter what in
3: every single storyline. I mean, if you look at the rise in the usage in the media and there, there have been studies on this. And this is something that's just a data driven, uh, data driven reality, the rise in the use of not just racism, but white supremacy and white yes. supremacists. And all of a sudden in the last 10, 10 or so years, America has become obsessed with, um anti-racism, anti-whiteness, all these different, white supremacy, these different concepts, and that has had real effect, I think, particularly on the, on the younger generation. I think on, I think people who are under the age of 30, when they think about politics, their first, the first thing they go to is, well, what are the skin colors of the people involved? Uh, or, you yeah. know, think about a conflict. What are the skin colors of the people involved? And that's how they, that is their fundamental framework for how you deal with when it comes to police, when it comes to, uh, you know, law enforcement issues in general, when it comes to economics in society, and certainly when it comes to armed conflict, they take this approach of like, well, you know, what are the historical injustices and what are the races of the people involved? And we see that. I mean, you saw yesterday, I know you were busy with the, uh, with the Fox stuff, but you were tuning in and out sometimes. Um, and we talked about this thing on TikTok of people saying yeah. Bin Laden had a point. Yeah. It, I just, if you think Bin Laden had a point in his letter to America, Bin Laden would have free license to kill any number of Americans in any way for any length of time because he's upset. Because there's some things that bother him. That's it. I mean, there's, there's no limitation. There's no laws of war. There's no ethics. There's no morality. It's, I don't like what America's doing in these places so I can kill everybody. And, and, and I would, went along with this. Oh, and by the way, ask, you know, Bin Laden's opinion on, like, gays and minorities, I don't think the left would like them if they really knew them. And women. Um, uh, and, and women. Yeah. yeah. Just the,
0: the general collapse. I will say I find it to be clarifying and important. Um, and it, it has been illuminating to me, and I know to many of you, to see exactly how broken many of our institutions I, and, and our groups are.
3: I mean, imagine for a second if there was a major, if there was a major trending, uh, uh, and it was, you know, all over going viral that there were people saying, you know, Timothy McVeigh, um, you know, I, I think that guy had some really interesting thoughts and, and I think we should go back and like look at his manifesto. I mean, the country, the, the media, people would be like uniformly horrified, right? right? And yet. Yesterday it was yeah Bin Laden. I mean Bin Laden had some interesting ideas. No. This is this is how far the brain rot has gone to the cerebral cortex of the left.
0: Think about this, Buck. What if Dylan Roof had uh, the the Charleston shooter who walked into and killed all the black people in uh, in the church in Charleston? What if he had published a manifesto and it was trending on TikTok and it was like, hey, you know what? Dylan Roof had some really good points to make. I mean, again, they would immediately condemn it because it is a white person who is evil. But when there is someone who is not white that is engaged in completely evil acts, they lack the ability to acknowledge and, uh, and condemn it.
3: 800 uh, Let us know what you think about all this. Start earning high-yield returns in a low-yield market by investing in Phoenix Capital Group's corporate bonds. Choose your investment amount, term limit, and earn returns from 9 to 13% annual interest with Phoenix Capital's domestic energy asset bonds. These bonds have been qualified with the SEC and are also independently audited. Phoenix Capital buys energy royalties previously reserved for institutional investors, now accessible to you, the savvy investor. Phoenix Capital Group is disrupting the traditional energy industry through their proprietary offerings, yielding 9 to 13% annual interest for accredited investors. Learn more by downloading the Phoenix Group's free investment packet today at phxonair.com. For a private investor meeting, visit phxonair.com for an appointment with Matt Willer, Managing Director of Capital Markets. Before making investment decisions, you should carefully consider and review all risks involved. Visit phxonair.com today for more. And for, welcome back, everybody. As you know, learn and laugh. with Clay today. Travis
4: and Buck Sexton. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here.
3: Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we
4: already forgotten
0: about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious
3: world conflicts?
2: 995 GOLD. Today, more than ever, we're all looking for ways to save, especially on medical bills. But where do you start? Unless you're a medical bill expert, finding savings can seem impossible. And who has the time? HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your family's insurance and reviews your medical claims as they come in from your healthcare providers. Then, HealthLock's technology flags and alerts you to any errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and frauds to help you and your family save. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from selected past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save more than $130 million. Saving on medical bills starts with knowing where to look. And HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden medical bill errors. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. That's HealthLock.com.
3: Which makes everyone ask the obvious question, why didn't they just do this before? if cleaning things up and making things nice and safe and getting rid of the encampments and everything was something that could be done uh, quickly, why not just let that happen or do that right away? Uh, but they did it for Biden's meeting with Xi Jinping, the uh, premier, it's a nice way of saying, the communist dictator of China. But the continued deterioration in cities, and Clay, yesterday, you know that guy got uh, found guilty who attacked Pelosi's husband with a hammer. Yes, which was quite a lapse in security at the speaker's house, right? I mean, there's like supposed to be Capitol Hill police protection, and this guy just got into the house. And anyway, um, but it's, it goes to there are people that are a danger to the public who are roaming the streets in cities in larger numbers than what we had seen pre-COVID era. Um, I should I shouldn't say pre COVID era. I'm sorry about that. Pre BLM era, because that's actually what the it had nothing to do with COVID really. The change in crime in the cities it had everything to do with BLM, which just happened to be in the same era or same year as COVID, uh, in 2020. But um, you're seeing this in a lot of cities. You're seeing the problems play out, and this was interesting. Um, because one thing that will that I think people need to be disabused of is the notion, Clay, that it's a function of Resources. If only we had more resources in these cities. Now, resources matter. I'm not going to pretend they don't. Of course, you need police. That's why defund police was so bad. But there's also a a political will component to all of this. You see that in San Francisco, right? They've decided we're going to clean up the streets and get rid of the encampments, and they do it. So there must be resources. They just don't usually want to do it or don't want to use them in that way. In Memphis, Tennessee, Memphis has a very high violent crime rate, unfortunately, as a city. Um, the police chief here said, well, I'll let you hear what he had to say and why this is getting some attention. Play 18.
2: I don't care if we had the entire United States Army here in the city of Memphis. If we continue to see the same individuals committing crimes, you know, arresting our way out of this is not possible.
3: Okay, Clay, Th- this, is, this is the key. Uh, this is true in Memphis. It's true in every city that's having a crime problem. You speak to anyone in law enforcement and the, the biggest public safety issue that could be solved right away is repeat offenders. Okay. That's or are that the, they are the biggest threat. Repeat offenders, meaning people who have been arrested. I'm not talking once or twice. That's the stuff that we were all told so that we could get into the defund police era and BLM and all this stuff. Oh, somebody stole like a pair of socks and the three strike law sent them away for 20 years, or they had one, you know, marijuana joint on them and they, you know, now their life is ruined. So we were told to go, okay, look, we want to be, people should get second chances and people shouldn't be overly punished for minor things where there's no, we're talking about people that have been arrested for violent crimes dozens of times. We're talking about people that are clearly a menace to public safety and there's just been this decision that has been embraced by the democrat party and the soros uh, soros backed prosecutors that we all have to just deal with this and live with this and i i think people are starting to slowly wake up even in some of the democrat cities
0: yeah there was an awful story out of memphis that did not get a lot of national attention a doctor who had recently moved to uh, St. Uh, to, to Memphis to work at the St. Jude Hospital, and a lot of you out there are familiar with the incredible work that St. Jude does for patients all over the country who are not able, kids, uh, to get the cancer treatment or the health care that they would otherwise be able and, and need to be able to survive. They they raise tens of millions of dollars. I, I'm Fortunate to have been a part of of some of the events that St. Jude is involved in. A couple of years ago, I was down for their big event in, in Memphis, trying to help out the small amount that I could. And this doctor just, I think, moved to Memphis six months ago. He was out with his baby, newly born baby, and his wife for a walk in a park, and he was murdered. And this is emblematic. We talked about the... Uh, Jillian Ludwig, I believe was her name, the Belmont University freshman in Nashville, who was just in a park, and she was she was shot by a serial felon who should have never been on the streets. A random act of violence. He wasn't even aiming at her. He was just firing his gun, and she ended up being struck by a bullet. And these stories, wherever you are listening to us right now, there is a story that occurred in your hometown of someone who is 100% innocent, never did anything wrong at all, and they were the victim of a violent crime, and almost with 100% certainty, the person who killed them should have never been on the streets. Buck, we talked about, was it last summer, I think, Eliza Fletcher, the mother, who went for an early morning jog and was murdered on that early morning jog. You have innocent people out there being killed. And it's because instead of being behind bars, all of these violent criminals who should have never been on the streets in the name of retributive social justice and the idea that it's racist because too many criminals are black, they're putting them right back out on the streets. And overwhelmingly, the people who bear the cost for that are black, right? I mean, and, and, and there's huge percentages now. Of people out there, white, black, Asian, Hispanic. I did a deep dive on this. Everybody wants more uh, more cops and less crime in their communities. And but what this uh, chief of police in Memphis is saying, Buck, is even if you had the whole army out there, if you arrest people and immediately put them back on the streets, doesn't matter. It's
3: not a numbers game that could be helped. Right. Well, this is. I heard this when I when I was uh, working at the L- NYPD intelligence division. I would talk to some of the the cops who had been, you know, turning out of various uh, precincts for for decades in some cases, and they would talk about the the bad old days in New York in the early 90s. That's actually when New York was at its worst. People think of yes. New York in the 70s and it was kind of this dystopian urban hellscape of uh, decay. But actually, 1990 and 90 91 was really the worst that ever was. And they would say that they would arrest people. And they would, it would be the, you know, 100th arrest. And like, what do we do? We're supposed to like get this guy a cake. I mean, supposed to celebrate that he hit, you know, 100. This is insane. And think about how demoralizing that is because what it means is that the, the cops have got somebody. They've arrested him. He's been arrested so many times. He's clearly not changing his ways, clearly does not care about law, you know, it does not fear the consequences of law enforcement. The prosecutors who are supposed to be processing this individual and, 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 you know defending public safety are just like a you know like a turnstile in the subway which nobody was paying for back in the day and it's just the, the whole thing starts to collapse and everyone say what am i really doing when you add to that that cops can be prosecuted and and even uh you know lose their freedom for doing their jobs in good faith because there's a video that's taken that shows them you know sometimes cops are going to wrestle somebody to the concrete and like that doesn't look that doesn't look pretty that's that's rough stuff but that is part of law enforcement,
0: especially when bucket can be a 30 second video that's part of a four minute, five minute interaction, and they take the 30 seconds and try to make look make it look like it is not in the larger context in which it was occurring. And look, remember the, it was an awful story. The uh, the the guy who was murdered by Memphis police officers. Story vanished. By the way, the guy who, if you were comparing. The, uh, the story of, uh, what was that guy's name in Memphis who, uh, who was clearly a victim of police violence, beaten up by four or five different black police officers in Memphis. You compare him to George Floyd and you were looking for someone who is actually, uh, the, the victim of police violence and you wanted somebody to be the face of it. It would have actually been him. The problem was it was black police officers doing it to him. So the story almost completely vanished. I think the trials are coming up, but nobody's really covering it.
3: Yeah. And meanwhile that not, not only is Derek Chauvin's trying to fight his, his conviction on federal civil rights charges. Um, and you know, there's, I had never seen this before. You know, there's a training, his defense, unless I'm, unless I'm misreading this, I saw this online, found a a training slide of officers putting a knee on the, on the sort of the, the shoulder neck area in that way to hold somebody down. And that basically the department, Minneapolis department, at least this is part of the defense claim now. The Minneapolis department's like, oh no, we didn't teach that. Actually, they did. Yeah. Actually, they were teaching this as a restraint. Um, and they just decided that, that that wasn't, that it was, you know, misapplied in this case or whatever the, whatever it may be. Um, and that, uh, George Floyd died of heart failure, not of, based on the coroner's report, heart failure, not asphyxiation. Yes. And had no damage to his neck. That would have been con- consistent with asphyxiation and had a, a lethal amount of fentanyl in his system. And, you know, and you talk about this and people started to get very, oh, they started to get very tense and very, uh, oh, I don't know if you, this is, you just go online, you can read this yourself. And, and Derek Chauvin's get, got, 20, 20 years in prison, his life, his life oh, I ways. mean,
0: Derek Chauvin was convicted because the jury was afraid of what would happen if they didn't convict Derek Chauvin. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any doubt at all about that because implicit in the trial itself was the threat of what violence would ensue if Derek Chauvin were not held responsible. By the way, the, Memphis individual who based on all the evidence appears to have been totally innocent. Tyree Nichols, uh, is his name. Uh, and the, the black police officers have been charged and we'll see what happens in, in those trials. I believe one of them has already pled guilty and the video is, is horrific. But because he was a victim of black police violence, story vanished. If that had been five white Memphis cops beating the crap out of Tyree Nichols. It would, there would be statues of Tyree Nichols everywhere instead of George Floyd. There would have been riots for probably a month all over the country. But because he was a victim of black violent police officer behavior, apparently based on the video, just totally vanishes. But this, this has led to further lawlessness all throughout Memphis and innocent people, white, black, Asian and Hispanic, are bearing the brunt of those crimes. And I know, I know a lot of people who have moved out of Memphis. A lot of people who live in my area of Tennessee are Memphis natives. You talk to them, they say, if you have the ability to leave, uh, you try to leave because if you got a young family, the worst thing that could happen is they become an innocent victim of violence and you sit around for the rest of your life saying, why did I stay here when I could have taken my family somewhere safer? which is just an awful situation to be in. Uh I want to tell y'all about uh we did a show yesterday, the Patriot Awards. I spent a lot of time with Frank Siller. And they have named now at the Patriot Awards a Steven Siller Award for everybody out there uh who is trying to uh to, to do good, whether you're a police officer, whether you're a uh a member of first responders, whether you're an an, an officer in the in the military, whether you are serving your country, whatever you're doing to try to make it better for people out there. Uh, Frank Siller's trying to make things better for you. And now his new push is to try to get as many homeless veterans off the streets as he possibly can. And i got to tell you, I am blown away by how phenomenal the work that Frank Siller and Tunnel to Towers is doing. Um, more important than ever, as you see viral awfulness like the response to Osama bin Laden's letter Spread throughout young America. It's more important than ever before to remind people what happened 22 years ago and what true evil is. Uh, and we've got to continue to honor people like Bristol, Connecticut police sergeant Dustin DeMonte. After responding to a domestic violence incident, he sustained fatal gunshot wounds. He left behind his expectant wife and two kids. Thanks to the generosity of people like you, Tunnel of Towers paid the mortgage uh, on the DeMonte family home, lifting a financial burden. I got to give you an update. You probably heard about the tragic loss of life in the Mediterranean, five different military members. I believe it was a helicopter, a crash, lost their lives. Uh, I talking to Frank Siller. They've the already snow. tracked down one in of those individuals in. and his family. That is three young Raymond kids. Arroyo singing Christmas tunes. The I saw you last night, Raymond, at the fabulous in the first Patriot Awards. I, I thought they, they, they did a really good job. I also there. Theater, that wife and those three uh, and young kids don't have to share worry about paying off their mortgage because of the generosity of people like you. People are giving their lives every single day to try to make this country better. And for as little as $11 a month, you can help ensure you that can, we take uh, care of those people under uh, fame on this i mean uh, the, the Lincoln family obviously go to t dot org um, That's yeah. t number two. the youngest of the Lincoln boys if i remember correctly Learn, uh, who was living in the white house on the weekend on our sunday worked with clay and by the
5: find it on the i have with the youngest son of baker hamlin and i for years covered the white house turkey pardon which people will remember you see it on tv all the time they bring two birds out biden will will no doubt pardon the bird or whoever's in the audience, I guess he doesn't know who's <laughs> pardoning, but uh, assuming he does, he follows protocol, they bring two turkeys out, he pardons one of them, or both of them. I didn't realize what the origins of this were, and years ago, somebody in the Trump White House told me it was JFK or Truman who started the tradition. So I did a deep dive and discovered, no, it was Tad Lincoln and Abraham Lincoln, and the backstory was so moving to me. And it really is about how a child allowed to be a child and be a boy and uh, knock things over and have mishaps and create mischief, which Tad Lincoln did in the White House. He would hitch a goat to, you know, to a dining room chair and gallop through the East Room. He dug up the Rose Garden. All of that's in the book. But it really is about how a child has the capacity to save a father in many ways. And it's about how Tad Lincoln was the touchstone of normalcy and joy in a hellscape that Lincoln was living in, literally with a war crowding around him and a child whom he just lost in the White House. It, 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 it's a story of finding hope in dark places and finding light, even where you least expect it, right in your family. And I thought this was a story worth telling and a historic moment that we've lost sight of because people don't realize where that turkey pardon came from.
3: Well, can you tell us Let mean, by the way, when you talk about the turkey pardon... Not my brain yeah. now always goes to Bill de Blasio with Punxitawney Phil, oh, the yes. gopher, that he dropped and killed. Killed him. Yeah. The worst mayor of <laughs> New York ever, killed the gopher for Groundhog Day, and I think it was a metaphor for what he was doing to New York City. I'm just putting that out there. But yeah, anyway.
5: Well, thank goodness Mr. Lincoln had a better track record. I'll tell you the quick story in the and the book, The Magnificent Mischief of Tad Lincoln, captures this. And I don't consider these children's books. I consider them family reads because they're written for the whole family to encounter together, and adults will learn as much or more than the kids. Um, but what happened is when Willie, the middle son of Abraham Lincoln, dies in the White House, Tad Lincoln and Abraham Lincoln become inseparable. He, take, he takes his son to review the troops. He goes with him to Richmond after the war. Tad sleeps next to his father and watches him give pardons to all these people who come to the White House asking for forgiveness. And he absorbs the lesson. Well, as Christmas approaches, a turkey is brought to the White House. Tad befriends the turkey, puts it on a leash, teaches it tricks. And then Christmas Eve comes, and the White House chef collects Jack the bird and takes him to the kitchen. Tad Lincoln totally freaks out, grabs the turkey, runs upstairs to his father in tears, and begs him to extend a pardon to his bird, to his turkey, and Abraham Lincoln gives his son Tad that pardon. That is the first White House turkey pardon, and the beginning of this beautiful national tradition. But you know, when I've, I've seen it for years, it's kind of a goofy affair. Now you realize the backstory, and it really is a study, and it's a, an insight into Lincoln's mind. He saw Thanksgiving, which Lincoln put on the calendar, by the way. As a national holiday in 1863, the same year he pardons Tad's turkey, uh, he saw it as a time of forgiveness, mercy to those in your family and community, and leading to a source of unity for the country. Boy, do we need that today, guys? I mean, with Raymond, those, totally that we agree. I'm just wondering—is is that, day that day the
3: first—is that the first ever time? I've never heard of somebody having a pet turkey before.
5: Me neither. No, I didn't mm. hear. But apparently, you know, I guess when the poor boys alone in the house it was the goat and the turkey that arrived that was it so he he took what he had and used it but the fact that he trained the thing put it on a leash and by the way that turkey would continue to live with the Lincolns for another couple of years uh, wow, wow. Uh, kind you of mentioned- remarkable but you'll never look at a christmas you'll never look at a, a thanksgiving turkey in quite the same way it just helps put i love origin stories i mean and the whole this whole musical adventure i've been on I dug into all of these Christmas carols and discovered the backstories of them, and it just blew my mind. We totally misunderstand so much of the things that we just take for granted and do.
0: Give us love. an example Whether of a song that we don't understand that everybody will have heard, uh, that's, they, that we, you know, play all the time during few. Christmas.
5: Well, the biggest one, the most popular song of Christmas, probably Jingle Bells. How many times have we heard Jingle Bells or sung it ourselves? And you think, oh, this is a happy Christmas song about bells ringing in the snow, right? Wrong. James Lord Pierpont wrote the song. He wrote it in a tavern, guys. And uh, it was in the 1860s, 1850s, uh, a a barmaid attest that he wrote it at a tavern. He was swilling down the rum that they made in Medford, Massachusetts. But here's the deal. When it snowed in Medford, down Main Street, they would drag race slaves, slaves down the middle of town. So, And this guy, James Lord Pierpont, was a notorious skirt chaser. He ran after women no matter where he traveled. When you break the song down, when you realize the context and you look at the lyrics anew, you realize it is really a girl-chasing, drag-racing, drinking song. I'm sorry to report that. That's what it is. So when I went into the studio with Kevin Costa, the guy who arranged The Greatest Showman and Jungle Book and Lion King for Disney, uh, he rearranged all these songs, and we used that research to govern the direction in which we would proceed, both in arrangements and my performance on the album. So our Jingle Bells is a little randy. It's a little bumpy and wild. Um, but it gives new context. And look, it's not all that. There's some tender songs. I Heard the Bells, which was written by Longfellow. Uh, he lost his wife uh, just before Christmas. His son came home from the Civil War uh, nearly paralyzed, and he hears bells down the street. And it gives him hope. He finds new life in the hope of those bells and what they promise. And then he wrote this poem, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day, Their Old Familiar Carols Play. And it goes on and on. But we tried to capture all the emotions of Christmas, but restore these songs to their real context, their real origins. And, you know, it's both uh, carols that have been with us for centuries, and even modern classics. Jose Feliciano, Jose, can we do a bossa nova treatment of the song? He agreed to do that. We did it on the album. It's been at the top of Billboard's charts for weeks and weeks. And uh, I'm just, look, I'm delighted, the audience. They obviously hear something new here and yet something very familiar, and I love we're that. Speak,
3: we're speaking to Raymond Arroyo about his uh, book, The Magnificent Mischief of Tad Lincoln, and he's also got the album and tour going on. Where can people go to learn more about the tour if they want to see you oh, in person? Well,
5: Christmas, Merry and Bright is the name of the album. The tour is happening. We open in Phoenix on November 25th, Thanksgiving weekend. Then we're in Dallas at the House of Blues. Jose Feliciano is with me there. We go to Tampa, Cleveland. We end the tour, Clay, and you're coming. Buck, you have to come into town for this, too. Uh, The Ryman Auditorium, December 21st. Jose Feliciano, the big band, and me, and we have special guest stars. Go to RaymondArroyoChristmas.com. dot is the address. I cannot wait to see everybody there. All right, it's right, going we, to be awesome.
3: That sounds fantastic. Can I just um, we, we we've got all these people now who are going to be going to check out your tour dates and buying your books, but um, I want to cause some trouble for you, Raymond. The all best, right, go ahead. the best and worst Thanksgiving sides, and I'm I'm, I'm, not, I'm not, we're not pulling any
4: punches here.
5: <laughs> okay, the best and worst. I think personally. The worst is probably cranberry sauce. I don't oh, really they, it. They, they hang up on him. Oh hang gosh. up on him. No, I, I like all the stuffing. We have oyster dressing in New Orleans and melaton dressing, odd things you probably don't have elsewhere. So those are my favorite. My favorite's are oyster dressing and melaton dressing, which melaton is kind of a squash or green squash that grows in Bayou country. But the, I, I never, you know, I like fresh cranberry sauce, but so often, it's that canned thing and it comes you know, it looks like oh. a little tower there. We are
2: you know, losing
3: I mean, our cranberry sponsor right now, Clay. I we just know. endorsed
5: well, cr- big cranberry
0: and then you just come yeah. on and just immediately kneecap I just us. Said
5: I loved it. I just I just I'm I'm a I the form of that, the solid gelatin form of that thing, like a little barrel, oil barrel there, a red oil barrel, it kind of scares me on the- Raymond,
0: day. we had just won over Big Cranberry, and then you just totally <laughs> Tanya Harding, uh, our Nancy Kerrigan Cranberry Dream here. Just ran right in, hit us right in the kneecap, we're done.
5: If you put it in the middle of the stuffing, particularly particularly oyster stuffing, I'm sure that the cranberry sauce. Awesome. No, I, I was hoping I was hoping, I really was hoping you were going to throw
3: what is it? What is the one that they love in the South? Is it is it green bean casserole? Is the Thanksgiving side that's so popular yeah, in the South that
5: doesn't that exist anywhere the only, else? Naughty list. I don't like yeah. that damn green bean casserole.
0: No. I, I'm, I'm I'm very anti green bean, so we're not going to get a green yeah, yeah, bean sponsorship. Yeah, yeah. I think green beans probably the most overrated of all the vegetable group. I hate green beans. Like I yeah, I won't right, eat that. them now. And,
5: and, and the Christmas, um, what do they call that stupid cake? Uh, the fruit cake, right? What do you call that? I'm like I think I
0: also anti fruit cake.
5: Anti-fruitcake. Oh. That stuff is like eating sawdust and grit. I don't know what it is, but it's, it's old. It should never be consumed by human beings. Give that to animals. Well,
3: if That's you want awesome. to get on the holiday spirit, everybody, check out Raymond's book and check out his tour. Uh, the magnificent mischief of Tad Lincoln is the book the, the, the album one more time, Raymond
5: Christmas, Merry and Bright. Go to RaymondArroyoChristmas.com. All the details are there. Please come see me on the road. We're going to have a good time.
0: Fantastic. Awesome. Happy totally holidays. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there as we get ready to roll in. Happy
5: holidays. Merry Christmas to both of you and everybody listening.
0: No doubt at all. Look, uh, we're talking about the holiday season. You got Thanksgiving, you got Christmas coming up, uh, New Year's, everything going on. How about finding the right gift for someone that is otherwise very, very difficult to shop for? I know you have someone like this in your family, maybe be you maybe you are also not particularly uh, adroit adept at giving the right gift and you hate to be panicked and running around on December 23rd, December 24th to try to figure out what you're going to get. How about getting hooked up right now with a Legacy Box? You can preserve your family's memories forever. How many of you out there, I bet it's a huge percentage, have old family video cassettes, maybe from the camcorder back in the day, old family memories, may not even have a VCR in your house anymore, a lot of people with those bins, remember those labels you could write uh, on the side what was going to be on them. Wouldn't it be great to be able to share those again with your family this Thanksgiving, this Christmas, this New Year's? You can get hooked up right now with Legacy Box and their Black Friday and Cyber Monday sales. For video cassette tapes, they can be as low as $9 a tape if you have, like, for instance, 30 tapes. Like one of our listeners did uh, recently, $270 are there about, small price to pay, to relive all those hours of great memories captured on the tapes that they can digitize for you so you can share it with your family and friends for years to come. Legacy Box, the pros in this, they got more VCRs probably than anybody does in the entire country. Down in Chattanooga, Tennessee, you'll get your original tape back, but you'll get a digital file as well. More than 200 people working hard every single day to preserve your family memories forever. If you have videotapes that you want to preserve forever, take advantage of the lowest price of the year. Go to LegacyBox.com slash Clay. That's LegacyBox.com slash Clay, the perfect gift your family's memories preserve forever at an incredibly low price. LegacyBox.com slash Clay. You don't know what you don't know, right? But you could on the Sunday Hang with Clay and
3: Buck podcast. Call
0: 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D.
2: Today, more than ever, we're all looking for ways to save, especially on medical bills. But where do you start? Unless you're a medical bill expert, finding savings can seem impossible. And who has the time? HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your family's insurance and reviews your medical claims as they come in from your healthcare providers. Then, HealthLock's technology flags and alerts you to any errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and frauds to help you and your family save. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from selected past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save more than $130 million. Saving on medical bills starts with knowing where to look. And HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden medical bill errors. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. That's HealthLock.com.
3: We're proud supporters of those who serve our country and our local communities. That includes our military, law enforcement, firefighters, emergency medical professionals, and other government service personnel. There's an American company whose entire mission is built around serving these individuals, GovX.com.
0: If you've served our country in one of these ways, go to GovX.com and join the community today. It's fast, easy, and totally free. GovX members get access to unbeatable discounts from thousands of trusted brands that want to honor your service. Brands like Oakley, Vortex Optics, Yeti, Under Armour, and many more. You'll also save big on
3: sports tickets, entertainment, and travel. Govx.com is a one-stop shop for everything you need on or off duty. A portion of every order goes towards nonprofits that serve the military and first responder communities. More than 8 million people are already saving every day through GovX. Visit govx.com and use code CLAY in the shopping cart to get an extra
0: $15 off your first order. GovX, savings for those who serve. Deck the halls with Bob. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. This is, and I saw him last night at the Patriot Awards. Did you know Raymond Arroyo was a singer too, Buck? He's on very frequently with Laura Ingram. Uh, does nice comedic segments. Fun guy. He's got a book out. We're going to talk with him in the next hour. Did you know he sang? I had no idea, uh, that, uh, that in addition, he's a man of many talents. He also sang. I, I just learned that myself. Sounds like he's got a very nice voice. So we're going to have him on in the third hour of the program to, uh, to hang out and have a, uh, have a little bit of fun there. Um, but Buck, we're going into Friday. Maybe we'll also talk about this. You told me that I had no idea. You sat down. And you said, "I'm fired up about cranberry sauce right now."
3: Oh yeah, big time. Interesting article in the Wall Street Journal on cranberries. First of all, cranberry sauce very polarizing. I was. It. It's 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 a once a year thing. Why is that? Like why turkey and cranberry sauce for most people? Like a whole roast turkey. People say, "Oh, sliced turkey." Yeah, okay. But in general, and Clay is a cold cuts guy, so he's probably a fan of turkey and cheese. But correct. Nonetheless, in general. You only do the big turkey once a year, and uh, you do the cranberry sauce once a year. You don't see – a cranberry sauce is a very seasonal item. It's like pumpkin spice lattes. And what what this article in the Wall Street Journal talked about is that ocean spray, which you may know as the thing that makes, like, cranberry juice that you drink as well, as well as cranberry sauce, is a farmer collective – from the uh, northeast of the United States, that's responsible for like a, ma- a vast majority of the cranberries out there, and uh, this has just been sort of uh, a, a campaign for a long time to expand cranberry into a year-long fruit and not just a once-a-year thing. At, yeah, uh, and and I'm wondering how you feel about that. I mean, does does should cranberry like why don't people put cranberry in their cranberries in their smoothies and why aren't people just throwing cranberry sauce on their you know I don't know on their lamb chops or something.
0: I am all in on big cranberry. I I got made fun of this. I like all of it. I I eat crazins all the time. Um, I order cranberry juice regularly. I might have the best urinary tract on the planet as a result because I think that's supposed to be a strong urinary health tract. My understanding because I'm buying into the big cranberry propaganda may not even be true. I would eat cranberries. I I would eat them. You know every week I, i'm totally fine with it i don't know why this is just a, something that and i like the canned cranberries like the jelly cranberry i that may not be very healthy for you i don't know but i love that too i'm all in on cranberries so if we need it if we need an endorsement buck
3: i will be i will
0: be the cranberry emissary to america
3: i do i think it should expand out you know i i think that there's more use for cranberry i like the tart sweetness of it too you know, I, I think it's a more complex flavor. So I, I people all, are going to
0: think that weird. you and I just got paid so much money by cranberries to uh to, to come here full-throated but endorsement.
3: Of everyone listening to this, I bet 90, 95% are going to have cranberry sauce on the Thanksgiving it's table. True. It's like a requirement and it just kind of came out of nowhere. And why does it is
0: a great question. Why there are occasional foods. I mean peeps, for instance, for Easter, right? The little uh the little peep thing show I'm not up. I'm sure
3: that's really a food, but yeah, sure. Well, yeah, but but it's they, they
0: don't exist year round. Uh the the what's the, the the corn, the candy corn or whatever, it doesn't exist I thought you were all of a sudden go it's every eggs. Why don't we oh, have that's Cadbury good eggs
3: year round? They're it's not question. exactly a health food, but delicious. Last hour of the week next, we're gonna make the world better. We're closing up shop here on Clay and Buck for the weekend. Um, apparently we just got a phone call in Clay from a very nice woman who used to cut my hair when I was in grade school. So we got an audience that listens, you know, stretching way back when to uh, coast to coast, all over the country, all over the U.S., uh, including back in my hometown of New York City. Uh, yeah, her name was, her name is Kim, Kim the hairdresser. Thank you for calling in. I hope I always behave well seated in the, in the chair. Um, and, uh, have you ever gotten a truly, I will tell you, I, I got when I moved to Miami, cause I was like, I'm just going to go to like one of the local places here. I don't, really I don't know if you could really tell. I don't even know if people at home could really tell, but it was one of the, it was the worst haircut I've ever gotten in my life. And it was because they, there's a very common thing here. I think it's called the, I don't know if it's a fade or they like shave around your head and then sort of fade it in. To the rest of your hair. And I, I basically like the back of my head six months ago was effective. People couldn't see it when I went on TV or whatever, but it was shaved. Like it was almost all the way, all the way down. It was a very Miami haircut. So you do, you do got to be careful. You don't know what you're getting into sometimes.
0: My wife is still fired up about the haircut I got for the, the day before our wedding.
3: <laughs> you had, you had she, some pretty funky haircuts back in I had, college. I had, I had some wacky haircuts over the years, but you, my there wife. Was a time was, did you have this too? Where like 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 circa 1998, where people started doing like long hair, like guys did long yeah, hairs, yeah. but center part and behind, they'd put their hair behind. Oh yeah, yeah. Ears? I
0: did a lot of that ear tuck, uh long hair yeah, ear, yeah, tuck. ear tuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My my wife said first of all, she was like, don't get your hair cut because I, I go to, and I'm probably going to lose some more sponsors here somewhere, I I go a lot to, like, Great Clips, and, uh, you know, like, the I pay, like, $20 for a haircut. I, I don't go to, like, fancy haircut places, typically. I'll just go into, you know, mall place, Master Cuts, whatever these places are called. And the day before my wedding, I went, and my wife, if, if she were here right now and grab the mic would describe it as the worst haircut that any groom has ever gotten in the history of a wedding probably and it was a real bowl cut like the bowl cut that little boys get you know like yeah. uh when i, you're, I think we like posted this old. on the website right didn't we I,
3: actually didn't we find well, this my, photo my, and-
0: my senior year class photo is uh is an exercise in uh in in wackiness the boys my three boys and my wife at one point, all had as their backdrop, you know, the picture on yeah. their on their iPads or their screens, my senior year class photo. But this uh, this photo, the haircut that I got was awful. Her mom went with me, um, and when we got back, she was like, "Just how did you let this happen? Like, what were you thinking that you allowed this haircut to occur?" So all the all the wedding photos she considers to be ruined because of my bowl cut that wasn't.
3: How bad. is uh, how is training your oldest son to drive going? I have to tell you. Uh, it
0: is, uh, it is maybe the most terrifying thing I've ever done in my life as parent.
3: Why don't you just hire a driving instructor?
0: I, first of all, I don't know how, I I don't know how that works. I think we do have a driving instructor, but he has to have 200 miles of instruction before the driving instructor will take him. Um, so we're in the process of working our way towards 200 miles and the roundabout is terrifying. Also, the number of people that will be unhappy because we're not driving very fast you know and they like drive by and you see them like looking back at you and sort of. you got to get like fashion. a placard
3: you can put in your rear window that says uh, you know help. student driver you know
0: yeah it would help because i'll look down he's like man dad we're going really fast And like we're going 18 all right we're going 18 miles an hour buddy you you can step it up a little bit uh but uh but yeah, it's, it is the most nerve-wracking thing I have done as a parent. And I'm not even sure what the, maybe, maybe the actual birth, watching the actual birth is second most nerve-wracking. But the,
3: uh, from a parenting perspective, this is terrifying. I mean, I can tell you puppy training is coming along. It's really rough. The puppy wakes Carrie up every morning at six o'clock in the morning to go play and take it outside and stuff. Um, I probably should take over some of that duty myself, but so far Carrie's been handling it. Not a surprise to anybody. She's much more on it than I am. But the problem with trying to train the puppy is that they're very cute and mischievous, and they want to do things that you don't want them to do, but then they just look at you with the puppy eyes play. And then what so do you do? works.
0: By the way, I'll be at Georgia, Tennessee for Big Noon. Who's there for heroes or the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is severely injured in the line of duty? Who helps our country's homeless veterans, and who helps our nation to never forget 9-11? Let me tell you who. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation.
3: The Foundation's Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran programs comprise their In the Line of Duty programs. They're all dedicated to honoring our nation's heroes and their families.
0: The Foundation's Never Forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America in so many ways. Over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year, dozens of golf outings, and the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 institutes educating kids in K-12 through grades to help our nation keep its vow to never forget.
3: More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. Never forget the sacrifices of our country's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T2T.org.